In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the win against Bologna. We'll be discussing Inter's new unveiling of the logo, previewing Sassolo and Cagliari, this week's Moratti, Moji and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on SempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nimato Alayruzzari, wishing you uh, back to an episode uh, where we are going to be, where we, we're going to have to come to terms with that Inter might actually win the Scudetto. This is this is becoming a fact now, and it kind of dawned on me um, uh, after the game against Bologna. But before we get to all of that, uh, let's uh, welcome our panelists, starting with the artist formerly known as Mr. Positivity, all the way from Egypt, the hungry Nasaurus himself, Mr. Mohammed Nasa. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, very excited to be at least eight points ahead of anyone, and uh, can't wait to discuss the, uh, all of that in the podcast. Yeah, can't wait for it. And we're also joined by... Uh, our good friend over uh, in uh, uh, over in, over the pond in the USA in Texas, from what I hope, a Texas where the snow has melted and it's back to being ridiculously hot. Uh, our good friend, Mr. Mike Pilucci. We're actually in the pleasant months right now, so uh, no snow, but also not too oppressively hot yet. This is this is great. This is perfect inter win the scudetto season, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's good. Good to hear. And we're also joined by the Sampling.com. Uh, Chief News Editor, Mr. William Beckman. Happy Easter, Will. Happy Easter. That's about the fourth time you've told me that over the, night, the last sort of 20 hours. I'm very full <laughs> up with Easter love now. But, uh, <laughs> ten games left, nine wins in a row, eight points clear. It's fair to say I am excited. Ooh. Well, let's get into that because um, that, that's actually a brilliant segue because this past week, uh, I mean, we're recording this on, on a Sunday, um, the day after the win against Bologna. And, and what I think the biggest talking point of this week has to undoubtedly be the uh, Inter's unveiling of the new logo. Um, there's a couple of things I want to, I want I wanted to ask what you all think about it, but I, I just, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to raise myself and and that is that there's a misconception amongst football fans that they don't the people don't see not just football fans but people don't seem to understand the difference between a crest and a logo and football clubs are more and more moving away from crests to logos um and and that's an important distinction because that's what this is this is a logo um and um and 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 I have to be honest I think it, it was I I've not been a big fan of their boo campaign brothers universally united which i thought was very just just weirdly just just a weird campaign because you know booing isn't racism it's the monkey chants that are racist and then the the name of it boo as well is be you brothers universally united just feels so crowbarred and and just weird so i wasn't a big fan of that um uh, and not for everyone just felt weird because i know that it was a faulty translation from from italian non è da tutti which is which is what they meant but it became not for everyone which is non per tutti which is 
which is which is weird because why would you want to be exclusionary and elitist so so i was not a big fan of those campaigns but i have to say i'm absolutely head over heels in love with this new logo with the rollout of it how they've um how they've presented it um i found some of it a bit cringy but funny like i'm book i thought that was hilarious um even because um you know i am book uh it just felt like you know why are you talking like groot but um it's uh but but you know generally you know they're having fun with it but but, but the, the the main thing that i that i think and i want to hear what you all think about this is that i think this is a logo that is a bridge between the old and the new the only thing they removed moved is the fc uh inter is still called fc internazionale milano um, they what they've tried to do is to tie together more with the city of Milan, Milano, Inter Milano, Inter Milano or Inter Milan, um, something that that they've 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 in the past not done. But what, but from also from a from a SEO perspective, if you search f- football or soccer Milan, AC Milan comes up 99% of the time, and that's something I'm sure Inter are pretty much aware of, and they wanna they wanna in they, they wanna they wanna access those keywords as it, as it's called in SEO language um and so so for me everywhere i look at it this was intelligent this was uh, and in terms of design i love the minimalism the minimalism of the far east and 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 also the blue and black and white uh, of you know of, of inter i think they they've managed to do a to 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 do to create like a bridge between the old and the new europe and the far east um and 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 i like it because it kind of there is a coherence in in thought in in what they've done, um, and 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 uh, I'm keen keen to hear what you guys think. Uh, I'm going to start with you, uh, Mr. Mohammed Nasser. Where, where are you on this? You know, I think I, I said this on Twitter, but it's well established that Inter can take a shit on a plate, and I, you know, I eat it up. Um, so I love the Boo campaign. I love the uh, the Not for Everyone campaign, especially uh, the cameo by Jessica Kahwati at the Kahawati at the end of the the when, yeah. At the end of the the, the unveiling video, um, I particularly love the new logo, especially when seen with um, in contrast to the Juventus logo. So of course, everyone, like you said, is going towards these minimalistic designs. I think it's just fine. I think it's fine. I think I think you know uh, maybe we feel like uh, you know the, the people who don't like the logo feel like they they, they put too much emphasis. The old logo is not going to go. The old crest isn't going away. It's it's part of part of Inter's history. It will it will forever be part of the the tripleta, part of the, the Ronaldo, the UEFA Cup winning sides. Um, so I, I think it's nice at this particular juncture, you know. And I think I don't know, you know, we've seen leaks about the logo earlier in the season. I don't know if this was a you know, intentionally done at this point in time when the management of the club kind of feel like this is a new era and, you know, everyone inside the club is maybe breathing a little easier. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but I definitely like the logo. I like the timing of the unveiling. And like you said, I really liked, uh, I liked uh, the, the, the actual uh, video that went along with it as well. Uh, Groot language included, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Will, what about you? Yeah, I think you covered most of what I would have said. Uh, anyway, I think it's I think it's a nice logo. I think it's certainly not the worst modern football logo that we've seen in in recent years. Mo mentioned that the Juventus one, which felt um, which felt like it was received very badly uh, by most people, um, and I have seen people 
criticizing this one on on social media but i i think personally that there's i think it's been done pretty well um you know every whenever something big changes like this at a, at a football club where fans have got so much emotional investment i think it's inevitable that there will be some pushback against it but personally i think it's it's been done very well um I like the the marketing. It's been very. It's good how they've got all the the inter legends involved, um, which has been, which kind of gives a bit of bit more sort of um, kind of gravitas to the marketing campaign. Um, the, the 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 SEO thing is really big. Also the fact that um, most people just just sort of know us as Inter Milan ab- abroad. So I think it kind of opens us up to uh, more of a you know the, an English speaking audience, which most of the world is obviously, um, uh, around the rest of the world. So that kind of opens us up maybe to more markets um, and brands than maybe would have been accessible in the past. And that's obviously been one of Suning's big missions since they came into the club to kind of internationalise the brand. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's been done really well. I don't have any complaints with it. Um, and it looks it looks modern. It's not like uh, it's not sort of destroyed the identity of the club. The, the black and the blue are still very much prominent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ultimately, it will be the the successes or failures that are obtained with the badge that, that determine how these things are, are done. I think that seems maybe that seems a bit cliche, but ultimately, the best badge is the one that uh, that has the best memories with them. So, you know, if mm-hmm. we end up falling down a drain hole in the next five years, then we won't we won't have good memories of this badge. But I, mm-hmm. I think in terms of what we've got so far, I think it's been done very well. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of it's kind of sooning and, and inter at their best. You know, they've they've launched. Um, they launched this Intermedia House a few years ago, and, and we were all really excited about these new sort of signing videos that they were producing. And I think just kind of on the the content side of things, everything's done really impressively and, and cleanly now. Um, so I, I'm I'm all for it, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it on the I think it's the warm up kit for the match against Cagliari on Sunday. I think that's when they're supposed to be be debuting it. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I don't have anything. Um, I know it's very trendy to go against modern football and anything that uh, sort of speaks to marketing and brand and and business. But I think this is I think this was necessary and it was done very well. And I think the fact that it's been unveiled now is not necessarily a coincidence because we know that I think this was meant to be unveiled a month or two ago, but was postponed, um, I think, because of the, the problems that were going on behind the scenes. And the fact that this has come out now, the fact that Stephen Zhang is such a key part of this this uh, this new campaign I think just speaks again to the fact that Sooning currently have no intention of leaving this club whether or not they'll they'll be able to stay in charge with the conditions they like remains to be seen but this is certainly a very it, it sets a very different tone for the remainder of the season because the last three months have been about uncertainty and confusion and this kind of feels like them sort of putting their flag in the um, in the in the ground and saying you know we're here and, and we're going to drive this forward so I think it's been a, a good week all in all. Agree 100% on that. Um, I, I think that's uh, that that statement Inter released was was part of that. But I mean, going back to the logo, um, that that's another thing. And I keep calling it a logo. And and I and this is something else I wanted to to stress on. I think another misconception is people mis say they don't like it because they don't like the color. Well, that that's that's not look. Modern logos are are specifically done in this minimalistic way because the color is irrelevant. The, the branding question and this uh, wants to be able to use and change colors depending on the context or the product that they're trying to sell. And and that's something that we've seen uh, 
you know that, that that many people have 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 don't understand the difference between the graphic design and the color. The color is relevant. What matters is the the naked logo in and of itself, and that in is, creates such such flexibility for Inter in terms of branding. And 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 I couldn't agree more. And I mean, look, with 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 people who work in the marketing world, who is ex marketing executives, who say that this is a logo that can really help Inter drive their brand globally. Uh, together with everything else, of course, it's not just um, just the logo, but it's everything. It's the messaging, it's the packaging, and I mean, it was Mirko Borsche who did it. Um, it's one of the best, if not the best, graphical designer on this earth. I mean, just look at who he's worked with, look at the stuff he's done. Uh, they now, I, I, you know, tip of the hat. Uh, like, you know, I'm not like, you know, as Mo said, you know, he liked all of that, <laughs> but uh, the, the previous stuff, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't into it, but I absolutely loved this, and I thought there, like you said, will. The, the the way this was presented was was spot on. I want to. I'm keen to hear what Reverend Mike says. Are you also positive to to the logo and and the rollout? Yeah, I would say you know fairly nonchalant to positive. I didn't. This club definitely has a legacy of changing the logo, or you know, really before this, more the crest, right? But it's been changed a lot over the last 25, 30 years. So I don't think this is some you know uh, just untouchable thing that is above reproach for us to, you know, for the club to reconsider its brand. I liked what they did. I mean, we would be remiss not to mention the, uh, I don't know, fewer is really the correct word because it never got to this point, but like there was a little bit of undercurrent of, if you look at it in the right way, it spells out tit and it's not the best. And once you see it, it's oh, kind of come on. It does not. If you, if you, if you it, make, I, I will say this at first, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then I looked for it. I was like, Oh, I don't know how much are we going to unsee this now? You know, yeah, but, it's not. Yeah, you, ha- you have to. Start, you have to have some sort of like eye illness if you see that. Like, who looks at letters that are like going? I mean, come on. I, I get, saw once it I too. Knew it was there? It's pretty easy to find. Um, yeah. but I don't think it's egregious. I don't think it's so obvious that like yeah. it ruins the whole thing. Uh, by and large, I agree with a lot of the rest, particularly about color, because you know. That I'll admit too that at the beginning my first reaction was why is there white and not gold? I thought if you threw gold on there nobody would complain about anything, right? If it's black, blue, and gold, like it has been, but it will likely change depending on the color of the kit. That's you know small potatoes. Uh, I think you and Will hit the nail on the head about the power. To me, the the real branding power that's going to be leveraged by this isn't necessarily the new logo or crest, whatever you want to call it. It's embracing more Inter Milan um, as somebody yeah. who you know, lives in the English speaking world, lives in America. All I've ever seen this club referred to the majority of the time uh, by non-Italian media or non-Italian affiliated media is Inter Milan. And when you were here and, you know, the other Milan club is AC Milan. And we, if you turn on FIFA and you see AC Milan and you see Inter, I know what that means because I love this club and I've rooted for it for almost 20 years. But the average person is to be like, well, wait, they're in the same town. Why is one of them get the Milan name and the other doesn't? That's not a great thing. So I think that is really where we're to see the most strength coming out of this is just sooning embracing Inter Milan and not running from that identity, but embracing and saying, let's make sure the city of Milan is in here. Let's be Milan's club as much as anything, especially in a year when, in all likelihood, this team is going to be the champions of Italy. What better way and what better time to roll this out than next season when the reigning Scudetto winner is in Milan and is going to remind the whole world of that, that this is Milan's best team, not AC Milan. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, and 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 I think that, that you know, as someone who 
who's always said we're inter we're not you know i i you know i i have we have to give you know the, the times are changing and and also in terms of to reach new fans and new audiences inter milan is how everyone refers to it in the english-speaking world and also as i said on google if you search inter in, you know it doesn't come up if you search milan then ac comes up or the city comes up inter never comes up and and people use the internet you know the seo is real you know it's it, it drives traffic and it raises awareness so you know it's just get with the times and at the end of the day it's the club is officially still called fc internazionale milano this is more about branding um, so not that much has changed. Uh, and, and, and if you look at the 14 previous badges, I mean, as a aficionado of the 1980s, you know, the worm with the head, with, with the head, with the, with the head of a worm with a dog collar in black and blue, that's my personal favorite one. And it's got like tiny beady pig eyes and Milan's looks like, uh, like a character off of, uh, you know, one of the cartoon evil characters off of He-Man from the 1980s. Like that's my personal preference, but you know, because I like the eighties and, 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 and the ludicrousness of, of the eighties, but that's just personal preference that, you know, time waits for no man and life moves on. And this is, this is, this is where we're headed in terms of design. And, and I think it's, it's good for Inter. And already I've seen, you know, the merch will fly off the shelf. You don't even have to like Inter or football to enjoy this merchandise that I've seen. It's so clean and it's so class, chic. Uh, so I, I think this will definitely boost revenue uh, and sales in terms of, in terms of uh, just generally selling merch because it's so well designed. Right, let's let's focus more on the actual football because there was a game played uh, after the international break. It was Bologna yesterday. We're recording this on a Sunday. Um, and it was a game where Inter struggled, uh, for, for, for especially in the beginning, um, and didn't look like they've done in the past. But you could tell, you know, you, you, but they somehow managed to 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 get, go home with all three points, and and they managed to do so by by simply working themselves into the games the way that big teams that are champions do. They don't start off well, but they work themselves systematically into the into the game, score a goal, and then shut shop. I never felt for one second, I wasn't nervous for one second, even though it was just a one goal, one goal advantage. I don't know about you guys, but I felt this was as soon as Inter scored, I know that was game over. And that's something we haven't exactly been spoiled with with Inter during the past decade. Um, and, and I think that's a little bit referring, you know, you know, if we go back to the branding a year ago when, when, when Conte took over, said no more Pazza Inter. I think this is what he was referring to. Well, now it's not Pazza Inter. The, 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 this, these past few, you know, this run of nine games is anything but Pazza Inter. It's been cool, calm, systematic. Um, I, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this, Mo. In my mind, you know, that this was going to be a tight game uh, with a nerve-wracking ending. It really wasn't. It really wasn't. I mean, Bologna had a couple of chances uh, in, in towards the end of uh, the latter part of the second half, but even then, I think uh, I think it was uh, it was very well well managed. Um, and it's always it's never easy coming back from an international break uh, to find that momentum. I think this was the biggest challenge of this match. And we've seen what happened to Milan and, and, and Juve, you know, uh, they both did struggle to get their engines revving. Inter, like you said, uh, in the beginning had a bit of a, bit of a stuttering start to the match. But yeah, no, I, 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 I again, when we, do these, when we do these predictions for the website, 
the the thing that st stands out for me the most this year is that Inter are a reasonable side. They beat the sides that are that they're expected to beat, and they perform in the way that they're expected to perform. And you know, it's it's a very refreshing change, you know. And, um, so yeah, I, I I I like the result. I think the performance in general, the match, it was a, a pretty difficult match to get through. Uh, there wasn't much happening either way uh, on goal, but um, again. Three points away to a, uh, to a Mihailovic side is never an easy task. And I think that's that's the biggest takeaway. For sure. Absolutely. Um, one one thing that we're, we, we're, we need to talk about, you and Mike spoke about spoke about it before, is uh, <laughs> Stefano Sensi. Um, this notion that he isn't fit enough is clearly nonsense, given that well, we've seen how he trains in, in social media. He's put up posts himself working extra hard. And the fact that he's called up by Roberto Mancini and he starts and plays 90 minutes, almost 90 minutes, and scores goals. Um, <laughs> do we have a caso sensi? Do we have a... Do we, do, I, mean, I, I want to open up the floor here and hear what you guys think. Do we have a problem with Stefano Sensi here between Conte and Sensi? Or is this just one of those instances where he's been injured and, 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 and the Bologna game was just not the right moment to bring him in? Um, where are you on this, Mike? I think, you know, I don't think this is a Christian Eriksen situation, right? I think there there are two, when I think about guys who have had these temporary freeze-outs under Conte, I think they fall into one of two camps. It's either the Christian Eriksen camp in which... I really feel like there was some deep-seated thing with Conte about I'm not going to play this guy and it's just not going to happen until essentially his hand was forced. Necessity sort of forced him to play him and lo and behold, big shocker, uh, the most technically gifted midfielder in the squad can actually help you. I, I, it's amazing that Antonio figured that out. Imagine uh, that. Imagine, imagine that. that. <laughs> um, but the other side of the coin is uh, the side that at the beginning of last year that Nicolo Barella was in and at the end of last year, Milan Skriniar was in of this isn't the right moment in time for them. Um, you know, I remember it's ironic, right? That, you know, so much time has passed. Maybe it's easy to forget. Not just that Stefano Sensi was incredible to start last season, but that Nicolo Barella wasn't playing the first month or so. He was coming off the bench. He was a substitute. And this was the guy who the big fee was spent on, who everyone, myself included, was excited to see. I remember going, well, that's great. The Sensi's out there, but where's Barella? Well, it just, it wasn't the right moment. And when it was, then it was over. And we go back to the end of last year with the Europa League campaign. Well, why isn't Elon Skriniar playing and Diego Godin is in the lineup? Well, Conte doesn't like to change things when things are going well, right? I mean, that's sort of why Erickson got into the lineup. Things weren't going well that he needed him and, it, you know, things got sorted out. But in the case of Barella, in the case of Skriniar, when things were moving, Conte didn't want to mess with it. Uh, and that's kind of where I see this now, right? Inter have won their last nine matches. They're playing in one competition. Um, we'll talk about Sassuolo uh, as sort of, you know, the exception to the rule of, hey, you're going to need to figure out, you know, something more than just your typical starting three midfielders this week. But by and large, the rest of the way, Conte might not need to play more than four, five midfielders tops. So my thinking is just at this point, I don't think he's out of Conte's plans because Conte has seen how well Sensi could play for him. He has given Sensi plenty of opportunities. I just think Conte's in the mind of this club is in a groove. They are winning. I'm not going to rock the boat. If I won without him, I'm not going to try to reintegrate him right now. Same reason why we haven't seen Matias Vecino reintegrated, even though Vecino's played a lot of minutes in this club. It's just Conte trusts the starting three and Gagliardini, and for better for us, Arturo Vidal. And I just kind of get that vibe that unless something goes off the rails for the next month, 
and he desperately needs to throw in Sensi the way that he threw in Erickson in the Milan Derby in the Coppa Italia just to try something. I don't get the sense he's going to be playing the rest of this year, but I do think he is very much in the plans for next year. So I'm not terribly concerned in the big picture. It is hysterical that Mancini is like, yes, let's start him. And Conte says, let's not play him. But I'm really not reading into this too much over the long haul. What about you, Will? Do you agree with that? Well, I don't think Sensi's going to leave the club, no. Um, I, I'm not worried that we're going to be offloading him um, because he's fallen out with Conte or anything like that. But I think it is clear that Mancini at the moment trusts Sensi more than Conte does. And that's not because Conte has, has fallen out with Sensi. I think we, we, we just know that Conte doesn't doesn't trust him psychologically, I think, as much as physically at the moment. You know, there have been there's a couple of reports that have suggested over the last couple of months that, you know, Conte is he's almost as worried about Sensi having a mental block as much as, you know, these physical gremlins. Um, when he was asked in his press conference on uh, Friday about, you know, Sensi and what he thought of Sensi getting this game time and, and scoring for Italy. And he said um, he said it was very important to, to sort of uh, make a breakthrough on a mental point of view for him. So I think Conte is aware that Sensi is quite fragile in, in more ways than one. Um, I'm sure he still hasn't forgotten what happened in, in Firenze back in the, the Coppa Italia when Sensi pulled up with a, a muscular problem after being named in the starting 11. Um, and then it turned out that actually it wasn't it wasn't such a serious problem. He may might have been something that he might have been able to play through, but but he, he he didn't necessarily trust his own body to go onto the pitch. So, you know, Conte, we know, demands a lot from his players. Um, he wants players to be fully committed uh, in every moment. He wants them to be willing to die on the pitch, in a sporting sense at least, and... You know, when you're when you're one nil up and you're in the trenches away in Bologna, then I can understand why he might prefer to bring on Gagliardini with half an hour left, um, even though it's not exactly going to improve the quality of our, of our possession. I think that's a decision that I, I kind of expect from someone like him. So it, it depends kind of how you're phrasing the question. You know, I'm not worried for since he's um, that he's going to be frozen out. He, you know, he's kind of frozen himself out. You know, Conte is always. In, you know, the start of the season last year, Conte was was in love with Sensi, as we all were. Um, and I think if Sensi would had given him more guarantees, he would be playing him a lot more often. I just think at the moment, Mancini has always been very, very great, um, sort of very protective of Sensi. He's, you know, he's the one who gave him his debut for Italy a couple of years ago. Um, he called him up a couple of weeks ago when none of us were expecting him to be called up. And then he played him. So this, he, he's clearly, a, I think he's a project that Mancini is, is working on. You know, he, Mancini's got a, a Euros squad and of and maybe even a Euro starting eleven in mind that maybe he wants Sensi to be part of. Whereas you know Conte has already got a, a, a sort of a fixed starting eleven at the moment with because he's he's made it over the last couple of months. So maybe he doesn't need to uh, insist with Sensi in the same way that the Mancini maybe thinks he does. So I'm not surprised that there are two coaches who are who are treating him differently. But you know I, I just I I think I would like to see him come on maybe with you know, as a second half substitute at some point in the next few weeks maybe when we're already winning um and we're but we're not maybe under the cost you know or maybe maybe when we're not winning maybe if we need someone to to play us to play the ball a little better with half an hour left you know he came on as a substitute sort of uh what was it the crotona game and a few games around the turn of the year where he had made a good impact off the bench so i mean it depends what i don't think there's a problem between content in the sense that they don't like each other i think Conte is just reluctant he just doesn't trust him fully at the moment and that's maybe why we're not we're not seeing you know it was very pointed that in the Torino game Vecino came on having not mm. played since July after having mm. knee surgery 
and Sensi was on the bench. That that seemed to be a bit of a wake up call to him. And Sensi does seem to have to have answered that. You know, he trained well um, during the international break. He he's obviously got a bit of momentum behind him. So let's see. I, I I'm not worried. I'm just sort of a little bit resigned to the fact that we're not going to get much from Sensi in the remainder of the season because Conte trusts other players. Um, Mo, what about you? Do you see Sensi leaving or are you a little bit more like uh, Will? Um, where, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I don't think uh, I don't see Sensi leaving at all. I, I, I think uh, both Mike and uh, Will uh, uh, made, uh, you know, summarize the situation very, very well. I also, I think, um, to, to Mike's point, I think um, when you're playing a system, you know, Mancini sees the players and then he doesn't see them. And then he sees the players and then he doesn't see them. And whoever, you know, Verratti is almost perpetually injured. Uh, someone could be could have picked up a knock as well. So I think the nature of international football and international football management is that you pick the squad that's fit uh, and, and try and work with it. And I think this is, you know, having that flexibility and having Sensi on board a Days more to Mancini's, you know, plans. But in a situation where you have to rely on a on a on a certain starting eleven week in week out, and you know, since since he's also the kind of player that, like Ericsson to a degree, he's not a Vecino or, or a Gagliardini where you're able to slot them into any sort of system and and have them perform a physical role and that's it. They're they're the kind of player where you really need to involve them extensively in, in, in the play. So if you if he does decide to play Sensi, I would imagine that he needs to tweak the side in a manner that would be, you know, befitting uh, making the most out of Sensi's abilities. And for him, like you like I, I don't know who, who it was, uh, whether it was Will, you or Mike uh, what said earlier, there might be this issue of trust, you know, uh, am I going to start relying on Sensi uh, and, and you know formulating a, a, a a player or two uh, to suit his uh, his presence on the pitch, and then suddenly find that you know all these plans are are off the char- off the table because uh, because he's picked up another knock. So I I, I definitely do uh, not think that uh, Sensi is going to go away as long as he manages to stay fit for an extended period of time. So if he does pick up another muscular injury that keeps him out for another month or two, all the way through to the end of the season. And I think, you know, reluctantly, I would be on 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 the side of maybe looking for a a better way for both the player and club to depart. But if he does manage to convince the medical staff, convince Conte, convince the squad that he is able to stay fit for and healthy and contribute week in week out for an extended period of time, then for sure, I mean, I think he's one of the most talented Italian players, midfielders in in, in this generation on his day. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a, it's all a matter of being able to overcome these injury problems, possibly mental, you know, psychosomatic issues uh, to be able to really play himself back into the side. Well, okay, fair enough. That 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 remains to be seen. But but there's an issue here, and that is that Marcelo Brozovic is suspended because he finally got that yellow card, and so did Alessandro Bastoni, and they got it within. 30 seconds or 10 seconds even of each other that that infamous uh, situation with with them with them that we've spoken about that they'll be suspended for now they are suspended now they picked up both in one situation uh, both 
um, uh, both of them picked up a yellow card and they won't feature against Sassuolo. So now you have a situation where do you do you play Arturo Vidal, who just had a knee surgery, or do you play Stefano Sensi, who clearly is match fit? Um, and, and I'm worried that he's going to start Gagliardini instead of Sensi against um, Sassuolo as well. Oh, I think he's... I think he's- I think he's definitely starting Gagliardini. I don't think there's any any doubt that Gagliardini is the one who's going to start. Uh, that's my opinion, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I think yeah. he is, and I think that's that that will hurt either because because I think that you know Sassuolo are good, but but when you you know the, the, sure, I mean. If you're going to play like, you know, if we, you know, we know how Sassuolo play and we know how Inter play, they played against them and, and we know that Gagliardini can do that job that he wants. But if, but that, but then, then, then a lot rides on, on uh, Christian Eriksen to be able to, to be the only one creating. Um, and, and that's, that, you know, then, then we could find ourselves in a, you know, difficult situation or else, or if he continues with, you know, cause the, the past few games, Christian Eriksen has been a Metzala and not a Regista. He could, we could potentially see Eriksen play deep as a Regista and then have Gagliardini and Barella next to him. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you, what do you think is going to happen, Mike? I mean, I would like to see Sensi try that Regista role. You know, we forget before he came here, when he was at Sassuolo himself, he played that position. I think I remember when Inter signed him thinking, well, I guess he's going to be Brozovic's backup. And then instead they moved him more up the pitch. And that's always been the intrigue with Stefano Sensi, that he could create from also any spot. I do think, you know, there was a one-off random match this year where they did play Barella in Brozovic's position. And it worked to a point because Nicolo Barella is the best midfielder in Italy at this point. So I kind of think just they're going to – I my gut tells me, number one, I'm with you guys. He's starting Gagliardini. I can't see it a way he doesn't. And two, I think rather than mess with Erickson, because I think he – it's taken him so long to trust Erickson just to play this Mezzala role, and that's the only capacity he trusts Christian in right now. I think he'd rather move Barella around because that's the first half of the season. That's all Barella did was move around and fill in the gaps when this team couldn't figure out who was going to play around him. So I kind of get the vibe. They might try to use Barella in that Regista role and then just let Cagliardini do what Nicolo does and just run around and tackle and do the dirty work. Will this work super well? I don't know. Is this the ideal turn of events? No, but I, I'll put it this way. I can. I feel a lot better about this than I do whoever is starting in place of Bastoni on Wednesday. That that's what keeps me up at night right now. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, to me, the natural substitute to Bastoni is Danilo D'Ambrosio. I think we all can agree on that. Um, it will be. You know, I think. I think that's what to be expected. Uh, but he just I, got back to training. I mean, he just got out of quarantine. Are they really going to throw him in there on what five days after he's been apart from the group? I don't know. I think uh, five days is quite enough for him to, you know, back to training. I mean, we know that Stefan de Vrij was fit uh, to play, but he still chose Ranocchia. Um, he so. did, but de Vrij was back before. I mean, D'Ambrosio was the last of these four to get back. I don't know. I think, look, I would much rather have him out there than Kolarov at this point. Uh, your other alternatives are you start Ranocchia in the middle and you move de Vrij out left, which we've never seen. Or I guess, I mean, I saw something this morning about maybe they tried Darmian there. and Darmian can play a lot of places, but... I guess I would try D'Ambrosio there, but I mean, I don't feel warm and fuzzy of D'Ambrosio and Ashley Young being tasked with stopping Jeremy Boga on Wednesday. That doesn't make me feel great, guys. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think Alexander Kolarov is playing because he's injured. Uh, Conte said so himself as well, uh, and, and that he's got some some problems. And we've also got some injury problems with Ivan Perisic, who's got muscle fatigue. So uh, I don't think he'll play. I think, uh, you know, if he starts, I think he'll probably play Darmian on the left wing as a left wing back because he's needed there. 
Um, so it, it is quite a tricky situation. I mean, whilst we're on the subject, well, you know, let, let's let's do the prediction thing. Um, what do we think is going to happen? I think the the winning streak is coming to an end here. I think we're going to have a one-one draw, um, and I think that I think that um, I think Lautaro will score, and I think Berardi will score as well. Uh, what about you, Will? Yeah, I mean, if if Berardi plays, then uh, he's always a danger. But I have seen that Sassuolo have got a lot of uh, problems up front in terms of uh, players being fit. I know that Caputo and Berardi both left the, the Italy setup um, ahead of time, and the Frails had a problem as well. So. Maybe that will counterbalance some of our, our defensive issues. I do agree that this could be the one where the winning streak ends. I mean, the good news is that now we're in a position, we're in such a strong position that it doesn't even make a huge difference. If, if you know, if we were to pick up a draw, then you know, I would be, I would be fine with that, especially given that we're we're getting two of these suspensions wiped. Um, it's very difficult to protect the team. It's probably the first time in a while that we haven't really been had a had a clear idea of what's going to happen in terms of team selection. But clearly, whatever he picks, there's going to be a problem on that left-hand side um, because there's going to be a pairing there that we haven't seen for a long time. Um, personally, I, I think, you know, Young played on Saturday, so that makes me think Damian will probably start wing-back. And if De Frey is fit, which, I mean, he should be if he was even potentially fit to play Bologna, I, I'm thinking maybe Skriniar, De Frey, D'Ambrosio would be, would be, would be OK. Um, but yeah, this is, this is tough. I mean... I agree also that Gagliardini will start, which is lovely because if you all remember, you am sure you'll remember the last time what happened when Gagliardini started a home game against Sassuolo on a Wednesday evening. Um, that went really well. The greatest um, miss in the history of misses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's I'm primed for a repeat of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Oh I mean, joy. I was going to say one-one, so maybe I'll say two-all just to. To, to be a bit to be a little different but I wouldn't be surprised you know we haven't beaten Sassuolo at home since 2014 I think I said that the last time we were previewing yeah. this match when we thought it was going to happen so and I will reiterate what I said then as well albeit now I'm saying it for different reasons because we've got absences if we win this match it's finished oh yeah no no it's for me it's if they win Sassuolo and Cagliari then it's it's done 11 points no, even if you draw nine points it's still finished um Mo what prediction Unsurprisingly, I don't think the winning streak is going to end uh, here. I think uh, I'm much less nervous about this match than I was against uh, for the Bologna game. I think uh, uh, the the three points against Bologna are pivotal towards. I mean, we saw we saw Conte celebrating after the match. We saw the players jumping over each other. It's it's. I think this sort of stuff. You know, the the mental fortitude of a squad and and, and like this feeling of unity is is um, is stuff that's far more transcendent to missing a certain player or two. I mean, I agree that, you know, Bastoni clearly in the Bologna game was exceptional and his contributions are going to be really missed. But I think, and I, I, I hope it's uh, D'Ambrosio, I think D'Ambrosio is a very serviceable uh, replacement. On the other hand, uh, Brozovic is, a, is, you know, a, a, a clear miss. But it's not like there aren't any options off the bench either, you know. So if, if he does start Gagliardini and we are in need of, you know, some uh, attacking impetus, Sensi is there. He can always bring Sensi on. So overall, I, I'm not too worried about this match. Uh, I think it's going to be a straightforward win. And I'm predicting, of course, you know, if Berardi plays, I didn't know that he wasn't, uh, that he was, he wasn't, uh, a hundred percent sure to, to to make it, but if Berardi plays and he he will for sure score. So I think it's a straightforward three-one to finally break 
the Sassuolo duck uh, for once and for all. Mm, hope so. Uh, Mike, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Bernardi is, is a huge wild card that makes this tough to predict. I feel a lot better about trying to win this match outright if you only have to worry about one flank, even if that flank is the one that Inter are weaker on. Um, ultimately, what I keep coming back to here, if there was one actionable thing from Bologna, from the Bologna match, you know, a lot of it, I, I'm with Nima, you know, I don't know how much you take from it. They won. They looked like a team that hadn't played in several weeks. Okay, not a big deal. The one thing that I noticed, which has been for me a trend for maybe about six weeks now, is Ashraf Hakimi has been very tentative on that right side. A lot more than we were used to at the start of the year. He, you know, I think we were used to seeing him blow by opponents, taking you know people on the dribble into the box. More and more, it seems like he's trying to find his teammates and get them involved, but he's just not picking the right spots. A very easy way to make sure you don't miss creativity in the midfield without Brozovic is getting something offensively on that right flank. And that's going to be the biggest thing in a watching the rest of the way. Uh, if they can get Hakimi back to where Hakimi was, um, that's massive. Uh, and if they, if Bernardi doesn't play this week and Hakimi looks like himself this week, I could see them taking all three points. But, you know, it's worth noting, this is this is a, a match in hand, right? All I want out of these next two matches is four points. And I think they're going to get three against Cagliari. We'll get there. But uh, I will take the draw here also. I will say 1-1. One, one. Um, but that's fine. If you get one point off this and you go into the weekend up nine, I feel pretty great. Uh, if you, they get all three, like Will said, then, uh, I mean, I'm not going to declare it over just yet. But it would be really hard for it to fall apart at this point. 538, who I continually reference uh, for Scudetto odds, we are now at 97% to win. That yeah, please stop. Please stop saying what's his name to me because I I have I have issues with him. <laughs> he, you know, he's in building the soccer simulation engines, man. Somebody else's. He outsources that. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to take the draw just to be conservative, and then I think they get the three over the weekend. Yeah, uh, I, I think I agree with that. I think I think the, the the Cagliari game is a foregone conclusion for me. I think a two 0 win is there because I think Cagliari, uh, you know, they they will be tough, but I don't see them threatening Inter away from home, especially given how how they how they look, uh, and they will need to go to go after Inter in that game. So I'm not I'm not I'm I'm, I'm expecting they I'm, need I'm, the best performance Alessio Cranio has ever put up. Which is completely possible. Let's not yes, because he is awesome. He already he produced awesome. one of them in the first game. <laughs> he did. Yeah, exactly. He did. I can't exactly. see he made him about scoring six on saves in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was. Did. He was absurd. I can't see. At the very least, there's no way Cagliari is scoring against Inter. It's just a matter of how many do they put past Crotty. Well, Crotty I think Raja Nainggolan will score because Raja Nainggolan yeah, always <laughs> scores against Inter, and, and and that's just you know that's why he exists is to. Is to <laughs> Is to shit on Inter's parade, so piss on Inter's parade. So, so no, I I think he'll score. I think I think Inter will win three one. Then that's where I am with that. What about you, Mike? Uh, I'm gonna go with three nil. I again, I I think I, I don't know. I'm sure Raj is motivated, and a motivated Raj still can do some stuff. But I'm this Inter defense is too good right now. I'm not worried about them. It's really just what can Cranio do to keep the score down. I think Inter, you know, off a one nil, you know, off a one one draw on Wednesday. And off a one nil win this past weekend, I think the floodgates will open against Cagliari and poor poor Alessio. Hopefully, poor future Inter goaltender mm. Alessio Fadio mm. uh, is not going to be able to do much about it. Uh, Mo, prediction for Cagliari. Where are you on that? Yeah, I think uh, I think 
Uh, I think the streak is going to continue, guys. I think uh, it'll be 11. Uh, I think uh, we're going to beat uh, Cagliari. I, I, I like uh, Mike's uh, prediction of a 3-0. So I think uh, the clean sheet is uh, definitely in play. And a lot of goals as well. So I'm really hoping to cement the top top uh, scoring side uh, position uh, between the two games, Sassuolo and Cranio. Uh, and then Cagliari. Uh, so, yeah, 3-0. What about you, Will? Yeah, agreed. I agree. I don't see any sort of plausible scenario where, where Cagliari can take points away from us. I think the only thing that could potentially make it a difficult game is if uh, the, the only two players left now on, on sort of one booking away from suspensions are Barella and, and Lukaku. I think if they if they both got yellows against Sassuolo and missed the same game, then that might things a bit difficult for us. But I think even then, Cagliari are 18th for a reason. Um, and I... Yeah, I would be really, really surprised if if they were to take points off us, regardless of what happens um, against Aswala. We'll have Bastoni and Brozovic back. They'll be rested so they can they can do their stuff again at the weekend. Maybe not such a bad thing. Their suspension would come in a midweek game. I don't know. But yeah, I think it'll be probably 3-0 and uh, that'll be that'll be fine. Um, Mo will be delighted to know that it's the lunch match on Sunday. So um, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's another small a red line. No, I think it's. I think it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 for damn sure. Right. Uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity. This week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohammed Nasser, because he's taken that claim back now, hasn't he? He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent and. He surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. I have, yeah, I have. I'm, I'm the only one uh, predicting six points uh, from the two games uh, this week. So there's got to be, uh, there's got to be some more hoodoo going on. <laughs> no, listen, uh, the variety of this week, uh, beyond uh, beyond all the stuff that we uh, spoke about, uh, the unveiling of the logo, the intermedia house, uh, the team spirit, uh, winning, uh, winning. Uh, when when Juve and uh, Milan both drop points, all of that's great. But an unlikely candidate for me was uh, was uh, Ashley Young. Um, I think uh, you know it, it's it's matches like this that uh, you really appreciate. You know the depth of the squad. The the old uh, man uh, was called upon. Uh, Perisic was in, unable to play. He goes in. He plays. He doesn't doesn't finish the game, but. He, he was extremely solid, and I think what I what I enjoyed. I mean, he did he did contribute to the goal. He gave uh, he managed to pick out Bastoni, who then assisted uh, Lukaku with that amazing uh, cross. But uh, what 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 I mean is like it's it's you know one of the hallmarks of title winning sides or, or or important sides sides that are able to rely on 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 almost everyone at any point in time to be able to really. Uh, contribute and add value to uh, to what the team is going to do through the season. So I think Ashley Young's uh, performance, although not spectacular, but out of the blue, the, the man gets called up, called up and, you know, performs, really runs runs himself into the ground for the time he was on the pitch. So I think uh, he's my uh, uh, surprise Moratti of the week. Surprise indeed. Um, 
he really is Mr. Positivity when he's giving Moratis to Ashley Young. <laughs> he's come back with a vengeance. Um, let's um, let's move on to something <laughs> much more much more comical. This week's uh, Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso autogol di Ranocchia. Yeah, we're taking the frog back to its uh, spiritual roots this week, uh, awarding it to a player who has stolen the limelight during a game of football for a, a moment of uh, inexcusable head-in-hands incompetence. Um, but it's not Timo Werner, although it could have been him because he had a very embarrassing miss for, for Germany earlier in the week. It's actually uh, Lucas Zhao. Uh, he plays for Reading in the... Uh, the championship, the second tier of, of English football. And they were playing on Friday against Barnsley. It's a big playoff match, both uh, a very big game for both team seasons. The stakes were high. The game was one all. Uh, and then with about 15 minutes left, one of the Barnsley players played the ball back to his goalkeeper, but didn't look and didn't realise that, uh, that the Barnsley goalkeeper had a Reading player behind him. So the Reading player just nicked in front of him. Uh, and uh, took the ball off him and laid it off to, to Lucas Zhao, who ran through on goal. And then somehow from he did his best, I don't know, Zhao Mario or anyone else who can't score for Inter in the last 10 years, pick whoever you want, um, steamed through on goal and somehow missed what was, let's be honest, it was an open goal. And he got, uh, I think it was 10,000 likes on Twitter as a result. As from the tweet, you always know that you've had a good day when when... Uh, you get 10,000 likes for something you've done during a game. Unfortunately, this was a bit of a nightmare. So slightly left field. But if you if you see it, if there's, a, there's a tweet that's gone round. It's really difficult to excuse. And, you know, in the week that Ranocchia returned to into starting 11, it seems fair that we, we, we pay homage to the reason that we, we ever started the frog in the first place. And that was for players making fools of themselves in key moments during football matches. So mm. um, it, there we go. Nice one. Uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Modji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. I really do like Marcelo Brozovic. Even <laughs> when he makes terrible, terrible decisions like the one that he inked on his neck... I know you know what I'm talking about. In the off chance you don't, why don't you Google Marcelo Brozovic bomb emoji tattoo and see what comes up? Because my Lord, it's bad. I mean, the neck tattoo in general, you really got to feel yourself to try it. But if you're going to try it, don't do that, right? I mean, we've, unfortunately, Marcelo's had much more harmful uh bad off-field judgment, you know, in the form of he doesn't have a driver's license right now because of uh, a drunk driving incident. There was the bizarre moment in the hospital last year where he needed to get a friend medical treatment and looked very frantic. You know, this is much, this is innocuous, but my God, man, that's going to be on your neck the rest of your life. He's 29 years old. He's got a lot of life left in him. Don't do that. Uh, just, just absolutely brutal. I mean, I'm sure Mauro Icardi had some pretty awful tattoos in his day. I can't remember them all. Uh, but this, this I think, might be worse than anything Morrow ever did. It's absolutely hideous. I think the best comment to that I think, is Nicolo Barella saying, "You've the you've got a bomb instead of a brain." <laughs> like he replied <laughs> to him in his Instagram post. <laughs> I mean, it's really impressive yeah. because this is a guy. I don't know how many players 
you know, what makes Marcel Lebrozovic interesting is that, you know, take like Arturo Vidal. Like Arturo Vidal is known as a bit of a hothead, and he plays the, like that, right? There's an intelligence to every great player, but Marcelo Brozovic, his game is very cerebral when he's at his best. It's all about passing and angles and reading, and he's just not the brightest bulb off the pitch sometimes. Oh, my you know? God. Off the pitch? I mean, I, I all I can say is, I mean, I understand when Antonio Conte laughs when he, when he just hears Brozovic's name and says, you you maybe you all don't know this outside, but this guy is hilarious. And I think he yeah. is a bit of a class clown because I remember when Jovetic, Stevan Jovetic and him shared a room during preseason a couple of years ago. And every night, every night, Jovetic went live showing what this guy did. And he he was he was fight he was trying to kill a mosquito and this went on for two weeks, every night. And he built these ridiculous contraptions and 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 Jovetic was laughing so hard he couldn't breathe, like it was this guy is like he's not there he's not all there. Right, and yet on the pitch he's in total con- when he's at his best, yeah. which he's huh? at, in total control of the match. It's bizarre, but yeah, it's a. Uh... Well, it's like Man, Francesco I did Totti. not. I, I mean, was not barely... expecting that when I turned on my television this week. No, no. I mean, but it's like Francesco Totti. The guy was a genius on the pitch, but he can barely string two sentences together. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. if we're perfectly honest, I mean, yeah. If if have you ever heard Totti speak, he he sounds challenged at best. <laughs> like he's got, you know, he, he it's, it's a lot of these, you know, these genius players. They're not that bright off the pitch. Yeah. Um, I think Andrea Pirlo could belong i think i think the reason why he's gotten away with it because he never speaks he's never spoken he's never really been interviewed that much uh and now that he's a coach he, he starts to talk and he doesn't sound very intelligent either um so so i, th- I think that's the, that's the that's the common theme here the regista are don't necessarily watch erickson talk and erickson seems like a pretty thoughtful guy and he's yeah. the other Great yeah. of passer, yeah. cerebral dude in the team. And then you get Marcelo, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on up there, man. But, you know, I guess, hey, as long as you keep performing on over the weekends, then we're all good. Tattoo a bond here. Who cares? I think it's Homer Simpson, the monkeys jumping up and down and smacking. Like, the, have you seen that thing where, where, the, where the, like his brain is, <laughs> yes. is the ape with, with that? Yeah, I think that's what's in, in Marcelo Brozovic's brain. That's what's happening. Like, it's it's the monkey clapping with the with the symbol. Someone playing the maracas. And, yeah, maracas are the summer and doing a somersault. Like that's that's his brain, yeah. essentially. So um, no, he's, a, but he's, I mean, a, he's a case study in the difference between football intelligence and conventional intelligence. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank Mo who had to run away. I'd like to because uh, he was he, he was pre- preoccupied with some other stuff. I'd like to thank you, Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. Six points, please. Even though I didn't predict them, I'm still going to ask for them. Oh, for sure. Uh, and Reverend Mike Pialucci, good to have you back. Uh, uh, I would also, I would also like to to bless the six points. Let's see if we can pull that off and have a an absolutely wonderful week. Oh, for sure. And until next week, I'm your host Nima Tabalayrutsari, wishing you to wishing you good health, happy Easter, stay safe, six points, and sempre e solo forza. Italia.